Has it occurred to you that the systems we live by are not designed to get results? We pay for procedures instead of outcomes, focusing on emergencies rather than preventing disease and living a healthy lifestyle. For over 25 years, I've taken care of Olympians, Paralympians, A-list actors, and Fortune 1000 companies. If I do not get results, they do not get results. I realized that while powerful people who control the system want to keep the status quo, if I were to educate the masses, you would demand change. So I'm taking the gloves off and going after the systems as they are. Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. And welcome back to another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. This is your host, Ari Gronich, and I am here with uh, Kyle Davies. He is a chartered psychologist, therapist, coach, trainer, author. Uh, he's the creator of Energy Flow Coaching, which is a framework uh, for tapping in our innate ability to attain optimum health, well-being, creativity, clarity, and mind uh, you know, Kyle and I have, have been friends for a long time. I was on his show, I don't know, many, many eons ago, and uh, it's so good to have him with us. Kyle, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became who you are? It's great to be back. Well, it's great to see you again, I should say. Thanks for, for having me on the show. Um, and so a little bit about me. I mean, as you said, I'm a psychologist by trade. Um, I, I've, I guess I've done a few things really. I started out my career in business consulting, doing various things, kind of moved into healthcare. I was um, put, I just really interested in, in getting into people, I suppose. In business consulting, you're working with an individual in their role, uh, certainly 20 odd years ago when I started doing that. Whereas I wanted to get a little bit deeper. I wanted to help people make transformations and make kind of profound changes in their lives. Uh, so I went and did lots of therapy training. I then got involved with a medical doctor over here in the UK who had a particular interest in chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and what medicine at the time referred to as functional symptoms and syndromes. Uh, I, I know that's kind of changed now. It's, uh, there's been a variety of names over the years. But the, so we worked together, we, we evolved a, a process, which is a mind-body process. And back in, this is the early 2000s, really, Back in those days, there wasn't a huge acceptance, I suppose, of, of the notion of mind-body approaches. There was, there was in the kind of the spiritual world, but certainly in mainstream, things were very much viewed as a separate mind or mental and physical body. Uh, and so we were looking at these kinds of health challenges from a perspective that, well, a body and brain that's in a perpetual state of stress ultimately breaks down and leads to a series of, 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 of symptoms and it could be of quite a wide range of symptoms. So I, and I've been in that world uh, for the most part uh, uh, since then really. Um, I, I, I do corporate work as well now because the whole kind of idea of, of well-being in the last few years has, has developed within organizations and I think there is this recognition that to you know in order to have people be engaged and productive uh, ideally they need to be uh, have a sense of purpose have a sense of meaning and be reasonably happy uh, so 
at the moment, my working life comprises both a combination of private therapy work, working with sufferers of chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, irritable bowel, anxiety, depression, and then the corporate work where I'm uh, a combination of kind of coaching and workshops where I'm, I'm helping people, I suppose, get the best out of themselves. And as you said in that, that uh, intro, getting mental clarity, really, and to be able to help people kind of perform effectively. So that's a bit of a nutshell of where I was and where I am now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it sounds like you're doing some amazing things. And you're in, you're in Wales, correct? I'm in Wales. Okay, so Wales is different than the US, obviously. And, um, you know, some of the things that, that I have found as I've been teaching and training people in other countries is that the systems are so different. And, it, it, you know, it's hard. I, I wrote my course for the US market. And when I was teaching somebody who was in the UK, it was very different because of the National Health Service, you know, and, and some of those things. What are some of the, the challenges and problems that you've had to face and some of the benefits that you've been able to, uh, to have from the system of in the UK? I think in terms of challenges, probably the major thing is that um, because of the National Health Service, despite the national, the idea in principle, I think being brilliant that everybody gets health care, uh, the downside of it is that people become reasonably passive in relation to health care. So whereas in the US, from what I understand, you can you can select your primary care physician whereas in the uk if somebody has a problem they immediately go to their gp and if they want to see a specialist they need to be referred from their gp and whatever problem a person has they will go to their gp uh, and again because the way that's paid for is if you're an employed person a proportion of your income is, is taken every month before you even see it. So it's almost kind of, there's almost, it's almost a feeling that, that healthcare is free. So I think what the, you know, the kind of end result of that for people like me is that there is possibly a, or historically there's been a reluctance to go outside of the national health and, and pay for, for treatment. Mm -hmm. But also there, there's that thing as to say, because, because, people automatically follow that route. There is a tendency to be reasonably passive uh, when approaching healthcare. So those are probably the sort of the, the, the downsides, I would say, uh, of the healthcare system over here. I say, I, I think it's great because it means that people get healthcare and don't have to worry about that. Um, and certainly in Wales, it's even to the extent that uh, you're, if you're prescribed a medication by your GP, you'll get that free, uh, or free in inverted commas, it's paid for by National Health. Um, and that was one of the things that we've just had with the whole kind of COVID thing is, is the, the, the main issue was that the, the main concern seemed to be that the healthcare uh, service, the NHS wouldn't be able to cope if, you know, a, a huge number of a huge proportion of people got ill. Uh, so that's that's the sort of the the, the downside uh, and the plus side, I suppose, to a certain extent. 
if that answers the question. Yeah, you know, the thing that, that uh, strikes me every time I, I've talked to anybody about national healthcare service versus um, insurance-based like it is here in the U.S. is that really there's very little difference between the kind of care we get. It's, it's more about who's paying versus based on results. There are some countries that have more of a re results-based versus procedure-based system. But uh, in both the UK and the US, the, really the difference that, that I've seen is a difference in who's paying versus a difference in actual system of medicine. And it's kind of fascinating to me uh, to, to learn about you know, the different countries and the different systems of healthcare. Uh, you know, what are, are some of the things like, I, I ask, because you have training in the mindset, but you also have training in some of the functional medicine side of things. So I, I, I don't actually, I don't, I'm not trained in functional medicine stuff. Okay. So you're addressing the, the stress and anxiety and chronic fatigue through a mindset approach? I'm addressing it from a perspective of, I, I, I suppose you could say it's functional. I'm not a trained functional practitioner, but I'm, I'm approaching it. I suppose there are some fundamental pieces. So I, I'm approaching it from a perspective that stress is, is basically the underpinning cause, but I'm looking at stress, not from a psychological perspective, but from a perspective that the stress response in the body is largely the same, regardless of the stressor. So that could mean that be it the environment, be it something physical, something emotional, the stress response is pretty much the same. And that's, I suppose, a basic tenant of my approach. So I'm looking at it like, okay, so you could have a car accident, you could fall down a flight of stairs, you could have a really bad diet, you could lose a job, uh, you could have a bad case of flu. There's any, you know, you could be sleeping really badly. All of those things trigger, they're stressing. And, and I'm looking at it in a very simplified, practical way. But it's the idea that, well, they're all, they are all going to trigger stress at some level in the body. And it's the, the combined impact of all of those things that will then result in the production of symptoms or the, the, the body, or body and brain stress response being stuck on with the idea being that, well, when the stress response is stuck on, that causes a, a, an impact or causes the systems of the body to be dysfunctional. So your autonomic nervous system, the immune system, uh, endocrine system, they're all kind of out of whack. So that's, that's the sort of the principle of it. And it's looking at it from a perspective of, well, they're kind of pillars of health. So we need to really look at our sleep. We need to look at uh, our nutrition. We need to look at our movement. Fundamentally, for me, I think I see emotion as being the, the biggest piece, but I'm not looking at emotion from a cognitive perspective as such. I'm looking at, at emotion as being, you know, this complex physiological process that affects basically all of the body and all of the brain. So I'm trying to break down the barriers of the kind of the mind body that, all right, well, this person deals with mental stuff, this person deals with physical stuff. So I recognize at some level, yeah, well, there's organic things in the body and that there are things you could talk about with mindset. But in, in terms of impact, as I say, for me, when, especially, especially when you're looking at emotion, you're looking at something which is a mind-body process. So in terms of the work that I do, yes, I do 
look at sleep. I do look at nutrition. I do look at exercise. I, I find for the most part, those are, those are reasonably tangible. And it's not that they're an easy fix, but they are, they're tangible and they're, you know, you can give step-by-step -step procedures for those. When it comes to emotion, emotion is, is deep. It's tricky. There, there are spiritual aspects to that because it, it connects to, well, who am I? My sense of me and how I relate to life, my identity. So much of my work is about getting into that, that deeper side of things. So I, I kind of view it as, to a certain extent, it's functional because I'm looking at it from a holistic perspective. Um, but as I say, probably the focus, and it could be because of where I come from, but my belief is that the, the biggest contributory factors to the conditions I'm working with are uh, unprocessed, blocked or imbalanced uh, emotion. You know, that, that's a thing that, I, as you know, I've, I've worked with emotional release, somatic body work for a long time. And it's probably some of my favorite work is the issues are in the tissues. Let's get it out of the tissues. The number one cause of all diseases is stress. And it's, I think, considered the third or fourth contributing cause of death, but it contributes to all other diseases as well. So you know, here, here's the thing, we're going to end the call, but I, I end this always asking three actionable steps that somebody can take right now who's listening to shift their health, to shift their world so that they can create a new tomorrow within themselves. Three actionable steps. Um, I, I think that uh, what we know is that changing behavior is quite tough and uh, people tend to behave out of unconscious pattern. I, I think that probably the, the most important things are being more present, paying attention to oneself a little bit more and how, and how you feel, uh, knowing that, all right, well, actually how I feel is quite important really. Um, and so I need to let myself feel. We, we, we live in a very externally focused culture where we block how we feel. So that, that's, that's probably the, that's the major thing is allow what you feel. Recognize that putting yourself first is not being selfish. So uh, uh, honoring what you feel, speaking and acting from your truth, not you know, viewing that as what well, self, self first is not selfish. So I don't know whether that's three, but th th those are the kinds of things really um, without going into much deeper stuff. Well, so, so Let's talk about just a couple actionable ways. So you're saying focus on yourself to be present. Do you have a technique or a tool that somebody can take away right now and use to do that more appropriately? Because you can say something like be more present with yourself, but a lot of people really don't know how to do that. No, they don't. Um, I suppose the thing that I start with my clients is... Um, and there's something I want to add on at the back of this as well. Something I start on with my clients is just having them breathing in a, in a conscious or optimal way, which is I, 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 I'm not looking because breathing in the work that I do is, is a foundation rather than a, it's some, you know, it's, it's meant to pull people back into their body. It's not meant as a tool to alleviate symptoms. So I, I don't, I'm not looking for any kind of complex behavior patterns. You know, if people want to do yogic breath work, brilliant. What I'd have people do is say, well, just come back into your body, 
at various times through the day as you catch your attention or you can set something on your watch and just pay attention to your breathing and feel yourself towards a natural rhythmic breathing for yourself, ideally a little bit slower and a little bit deeper. Now that could be when you, you breathe in for a count of three and out for a count of five. I'm never in, I'm never in favor of forcing something. So if that's comfortable breathing from the belly in a sort of a slower, deeper way, that's a brilliant way of beginning to come into the body. So here's a so that so that's that would be one thing. Here's a, just a little bit in terms of the way I work with the idea of tools and techniques. It tends to be the case that people, uh, in my experience, always revert back to what they normally do because their behaviour is unconsciously driven. If people start doing a tool or technique, very often they'll do it for a little bit and then they'll stop and they'll either revert back to what they were doing before or the brain in its uh, in its attempt to seek novelty will look for the next thing. What I try to do is, is, in the work that I do, is have it more about understanding. If people can understand where the nature of their experience comes from, what gives rise to my construction of reality? What gives rise to my, my mood? What gives rise to my feelings? Um, where does all that come from? When people begin to understand all that, they can then adjust themselves because they begin to have, re have realizations and insight into, all right, I can begin to see how I'm creating that for myself now. Now in doing that, I find that people can naturally adjust rather than having a, or it will give me a tool or a technique. Now, there are kind of little tools and exercises as part of what I do with people, but I've just kind of given that as, as, a, as a foundational principle. That's kind of one of the ideas. But breathing, I mean, you can't go wrong, can you, in terms of that's, that really probably should be a foundational, you know, piece for everybody, you know, just start breathing properly, whether you wanted to go and do a breathing course or whether you just want to get into your body and breathe a little bit more. I mean, that's how I started. Right. Um, so a lot of anxiety and depression as it when I was between my late teens, early 20s. And most of it, I mean, there's a number of factors, but most of it was because I just lived in my head. So I had to force myself out of my head. We're a very head orientated culture aren't we or cultures so I had to force myself out of my head and one of the ways I did that was just bringing my attention back to my breathing and feeling what it what it would feel like in my body being aware of the tensions being aware of the, the feelings just observing them um I'm, I'm not I didn't I hadn't read anything to to encourage me to do that I just sort of naturally did that right. uh, so but that I would say is that would be my number one Awesome. So, you know, when I used to do a lot of corporate gigs, I would talk to the people about uh, standing up and breathing, because if you're sitting down and breathing, your diaphragm is cutting off your lung capacity by about 50%. And so you're only drawing in so much nutrients, so much oxygen, so much that you can process and use for brain health, which is why people go to work and get brain fog a lot. And so if you stand up, and extend your torso, all of a sudden you're taking your lungs off of your diaphragm and you're able to do full belly breaths and that brings more oxygen, more nutrients to the cells, more oxygen and nutrients to your brain, which then makes you a little clearer, a little more cognitive and have the ability to handle stress at a much deeper level. So that is a fantastic um, you know, piece of tool for, for the listeners. And, uh, you know, I'll have to have you on again. We're going to do this again. 
Thank you so much for being here, Kyle. Where, where can uh, people who want to get a hold of you get a hold of you? What's, what's some information that they can check in with you? So my website is energyflowcoaching.com. My, I'm on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn under Energy Flow Coaching. Energyflowcoaching.com. Kyle Davies. Thank you so much for being here on another episode of Create a New Tomorrow. I am your host, Ari Gronich, and I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Have a healthy day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate all you do to create a new tomorrow for yourself and those around you. If you'd like to take this information further and are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are all passionate about activating their vision for a better world, go to the website, createanewtomorrow.com and find out how you can be part of making a bigger difference. I have a gift for you just for checking it out and look forward to seeing you take the leap and joining our private paid mastermind community. Until then, see you on the next episode.